Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to find and follow your purpose. I'm your host, Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the Network for Transformational Leaders, also the creator of Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Every week, I interview some of the world's leading thought leaders who not only share their life stories, but practical tips and advice on how you can become the highest version of yourself and build a life in alignment with your soul. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and open your free account so you can see behind the scenes videos of our interviews and get your free Pearls of Wisdom ebook. Join our community of changemakers, making a difference on the planet. Making a Good afternoon and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me a very, very good friend of mine, Suki Wahiwala. Hello, everybody. And thank you, Kitty, for having me on this uh, amazingly inspiring channel. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation because you are going to be privy to hearing this gentleman's life story. And it's not a life story that he has shared in many places. So... Let me tell you a little bit more about Suki and what he does in the world. He's an award-winning mentor, thought leader, and entrepreneur. He coaches some of the UK's kind of top personal development personalities. He's the man behind many men. Uh, so he is a very good friend of mine, and I'm really pleased that you have come on Kitty Talks to share your story. And women, <laughs> not just men. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So do you mind sharing with our audience, Suki, a little bit more about who you are and what you do in the world? Yes, um, today, probably because I spend a lot of my time, I'm still a, a, an active business person, so I spend a lot of time within the property arena, uh, investments, developments, that kind of thing. And I tend to be uh, more of a landlord in these days than to run physical businesses. Uh, I have a, a large group of companies, but I attend... I also have a small group of companies in the environment of self-development and help uh, assisting other people to grow their own businesses and, more importantly, learn who they are and focus their own lives going forward. Mm-hmm. So I uh, coach, mentor, we have mastermind programs which are very, very powerful. Um, and things are just amazing. You know, we just, uh, I'm amazed at um, how rapidly the businesses have actually grown in this arena and how I've been helpful, how I could be allowed to be helpful to many people in this world. Fantastic, fantastic. And you've got a really interesting journey that I would love for you to share with our audience. Like, obviously, um, seven generations of, is that right? Seven, so C by origin, seven, seventh generation, um, and real business background, like generations and generations of business people who are passing down information to you. Correct, um, yeah. Yeah, and I know um, that... Well, you tell us. Tell us from, from about 19. I'd love to hear about your journey. Oh, well. Um, yes, uh, I've been actually, uh, to be honest with yourself, Kitty, I'm really, really honoured to be a part of the White World Dynasty. And uh, it is seven generations, yes, uh, way back in 1760. Uh, we've all been in, uh, kind of had like two or three strings to the bow, if you understand, uh, 
where basically we've had the, the business element, but we've also a very high level of spirituality that sits within our family as well, which uh, we tend to spend a lot of time and focus within our, in my case, a British Sikh, but to mm-hmm. describe that uh, um, the Sikh philosophy, which is very, very, I believe, quite mellow and understandable by everybody's means. And it's very spiritual, to be honest with yourself. And then the third element is always to be focused very heavily on family. So it's always been family, spirituality, and business in tandem with each other. So my journey, um, really, to be honest with yourself, uh, I can tell you a little funny story. Way back in when I was eight or nine years old, when I had my very first uh, business. And you think, well, okay, eight or nine years old, and how true can that really, truly be? Started young. Yeah, that's right. But uh, it is, I'm afraid. It's, uh, I'm very proud to say that uh, my mum has been very, very instrumental in nurturing foundational padstones and understandings in my life. And my father has been the external inspiration to see the strength of how things are done just by moving into places and, and understanding how the physiology of uh, things working, how business is being done. So that's a, a go, get, go, start type person, what we call the philosophy of uh, an extroverted energy of D and an I, and a dominant in, 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 and inspirer. And on the other side, my mum is very much uh, a calm, uh, understanding, loving, but also very calculating, very structured individual. So we kind of complement each other very well. Uh, I've been blessed, uh, Kitty, just to say that I've had both of those nurturings instilled and installed in me. I'm one of eight siblings. I'm the youngest, actually. Youngest of eight? Wow. Yeah. Usually the youngest ones are tend to be the spoiled ones, but um, I'm sure I was spoiled. I can't say no, it wasn't. But uh, at some stage, something clicked into my mind, and this is partly about the story that I'll, I'll like to share with you. Um, my first business, as I said, was around about eight or nine years old, and I was selling football stickers. So I tended to spend a lot of time and effort in, in collecting football stickers. Um, this is in the UK, so uh, if anybody can remember those years, that, that's how it used to be. We used to have these stickers and little badges and stuff on them. Um, but the reality was that uh, I tended to fill mine up quicker because I had a little bit more access to capital, cash, uh, income-wise from my parents. So what I did is I started selling those stickers at a premium. For example, when somebody wanted a specific sticker, I'd go through the process of trying to share with them how they could um, give me three for the one kind of thing, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of uh, a business element. It's a business, the simplicity is just to sell something for a little bit more than what you pay for it because that's business, right? Um, so if I move on to when I was about 19 years old, uh, 18 actually, when I was studying at the same time, I also decided to take over one of the shops that we had um, in retail. And that was actually a business which was hardware, um, DIY, and what we call, in those days, we used to call it fancy goods. So it was like all ornaments and, and things of that sort of nature as well, mm-hmm. uh, and heavily intellectual. So that was the first real business I got my teeth into. Between 17 and 18 years old. Um, I ran it with my brother in laws to start off with. I later took over and took charge myself uh, with another one of my brother-in-laws, who was a similar age to myself. Um, to explain it in a simpler way, you know, things were going good. Within eight, nine months, I'd already doubled the turnover. It was a company that wasn't doing very well because it was very. It was my first, my father's first business in 1967. And at the time, he had grown his portfolio businesses, and he tended to spend a lot of time abroad, Birmingham, or in London, and not in our hometown of Peterborough. So it was kind of, it needed a little bit of focus on the business. So I, I, I gave that focus to it, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and at no means do I say that I knew everything before I started and 
I'd already got myself into perfection. Because as we all understand, perfection is a, a mind, a state of mind, not a, an end goal. So I learned on the job. You know, we got up and we woke up in the mornings and we went out and we sweeped the streets and we cleaned the shop and all the things that you'd expect to do as a business person. Mm. Um, so the story short, there was one particular time. I think uh, just to share that, you know, I, I believe, you know, when I'd started creating some income and I took over another business as well, which was a, a hotel at that time. And um, I, I think a little bit of arrogance set in as well. And I think this is a, a human thing to do. So I just want to share a little bit of that if I could, you know, if that's okay, Kitty. Mm. Arrogance tends to set in. And I think it was about 17, 18, I was about 18 to 19 years old. And, and there I was, you know, one day, I'm sitting there on my dining room table. Imagine a simple rectangular table, my father at one side, and I'm kind of next to his, to the right. Um, uh, to his left, sorry, at a right angle. And I'm sitting talking, and uh, we were having a good old conversation, and my father said, oh, things are going well in the shop, I take it. And I said, yes, they are, Dad. You know, things are very well. They're doing quite well. Things are moving forward, and sales are up, and things are good. There I am, an 18-year-old with the, the car that I dreamt of. You know, I had a, a Peugeot 205 GTI in those days. It was quite an effective vehicle. I had money in my pockets, if you can imagine, whenever I needed to go out. I had friends, you know, I had real friends, and I also had friends who mm -hmm. wanted to tend to hang out with you when you've got money. Um, and so for me, arrogance had set in because it was the first time that I'd actually taken that journey into business and I'd taken a formal process. So um, I then, you know, I was still studying at the same time as well, but I went out and I decided, you know, that I can do anything in life. You know, that's what it was, and that's where the arrogance came in. And, I'm not saying to think that I can do anything in my life is an arrogant move. No, I was doing it with arrogance. Of course, all human beings can do anything they put their mind to. And my father saved me, to be honest. He noticed and he recognized that I was spending kind of a little bit of time out and about. And I'd you know, be driving my car a lot and have friends around me. And the element of arrogance was setting in. And you know, maybe I'd given my mum a few answers that she, you know, you know abrupt on the back, should I say. Yeah. Yeah, and so he noticed this thing and he said to me, oh, how's the shop going? I said, it's going great. And he goes, I suppose uh, um, money's good and everything's very well. Good, good. He didn't, he, sorry, he didn't say good. He said, okay. And I'm sort of giving him a bit of a nuts up to saying things are really good and things are like this and things like that. And I'm thinking about doing this next, in fact, doing this next. And he said, good. So just before he got off the table, he said, so what's next? As blunt as that, and my father, once you get to know him, is a really, really wise person. He's about a few words. And he just said to me, okay, so what's next? Picked his plates up and just walked out. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, uh? <laughs> yeah, weren't you going to say, um, well done? Yeah. Say, good job? You know, all that sort of ego stuff. Um, yeah. And, uh, you understand where I'm coming from there, uh, Kitty. Um, but he didn't. He got up and walked away. And boy, was I arrogant. Was I angry? Yeah, I was very upset. I thought, okay, well, he, did, he didn't give me one appraisal. Well, I said, what? I can't be bothered with it, kind of thing. Um, but it didn't last very long because, as I said to you, the genius of my mum, she sat me down and, and, uh, and said, oh, how did you spoke to dad? And how's he going? I said, yeah, well, I'm not really bothered anymore. I'm not going to be running the shops anymore. I'm going back to studying full time because I was studying part time. I said, oh, right, that's really good. She goes, um, but what seems to be fun? Well, I did this and I did this and didn't help me. Uh, he didn't even acknowledge that. And I said, and my mum just turned and said, hmm, 
maybe your father saw something in you that you didn't see. Maybe he tried to move in the right direction. And obviously at that time, I'm really hot in the head and colored pretty red. <laughs> I didn't really want to listen to her. But I went to sleep on it. I woke up in the morning. Something happened through the night, I think. I just woke up and I thought, hmm, maybe there is more to life than just having a few hundred pounds in your pocket, a car under your foot, friends around you, and that kind of thing. Those are all good things. But it's all about the intent, isn't it? Yes. It's my intention behind those things. So, so were, you, were you at that stage, you think, as a kind of a teenager, like you said, you're making good money, you're kind of out and about. Were you kind of like the big I am of like, like this is what you know, life is all about? Like, yeah, it, it had set in at the time. This is pre this discussion. It had set in at the time where it was it was all about it was all about me. Yes. It was just just about me. It was just like let's get this sorted because originally I felt as so though I didn't know what to do. And you know when when you do something that you start getting good at, you just want to sort of grapple at it and and you want to sort of secure it in your mind and say I am good at this and this is what I do. So you tend to repeat the things you love and you feel confident in doing. Yeah. But with that confidence gets a little bit of ignorance, I think, sometimes. And uh, we start becoming a bit, bit, bit uh, we run away with the wind, you know. We, we fly away with the wind and get a bit of self-fulfillment. <laughs> so your dad kind of planted a seed with that, with that question, what's next? But um, it's interesting. My mum watered it. And your mum watered it. And my mum watered it. Dad planted the seed. My mum calmed it down and watered it, as she always does. It's beautiful. And what happened next? Was it kind of like an epiphany? Or did the universe almost take control i think i love the way you you said that the universe take control because i'm an, an advocate of the universe always has control yes um, i you know i know we've had this long discussion many many nights and evenings and afternoons and you know the universe generally does have control um i think at that time that was just at the age of 19 i was probably i believe i was probably getting used to the fact I myself am a part of the universe. Does that make sense? So yeah. I hadn't, hadn't, definitely hadn't set in um, at that time. But what had happened is it kind of propelled me, propelled me, um, propelled me to go a little bit further within myself. And I started thinking about me and started understanding how I interact with humans as well. Um, but it was still very young, um, premature thinking. It was not, not at all. It was, it was more conflated than actual accuracy. This episode. It's just this is more guesswork because I think at that age you are saying a lot of guesswork. Um, so I then, in the, in the subsequent months mm. uh, and years, you know, it was around, around 20 months, I'd have to turn over a best of uh, 800,000 pounds to a million pounds. So it, it basically assisted me to pull myself together and move forward. So it was, it was very, very good for me. I think uh, the little grounding and connection that my parents both gave me, which I'm truly blessed for. I think it assisted me, and in, in the following years, I just accelerated the, with, the, with an element of humility. I didn't tend to be much of a talker. Um, I'm nowadays, obviously, speaking for the thousands of people globally, God's blessing. Uh, but it wasn't 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 me at the time. I was just much more of a personal, private. Let's just get this done. Is it on my task? Is it on my agenda? Otherwise, I I didn't spend time loitering around and other things. So it did tighten my view of life. Yes, you're right. Hmm. So. What happened? You, you obviously, your dad asked, what's next? Did you start to kind of think, well, how, you know, how and why am I here? Or did it open up something for you? Um, I think I was a little too young for that. I didn't quite get to the point of why am I here in life. I think that happened a bit later when I was around about 30, 31. Um, I think about 30, 31, 32 time. And I'm sure we'll cover that conversation when I was in hospital. Um, but 
at this time, it sort of led me to believe that there was more to do. Right. That was the key. The key there was that originally I thought, yeah, I've done it. I'm done. You know, I'm okay for the world. You know, just the arrogance set in, the ignorance is set in. And I said, I'm done. You know, I've got, I've got money in my pocket. I've got a car I wanted. This is life. And, and it made me realize that there's more to do in life. You know, that's the first step that I did. It's kind of unlocked the more to do in my life. Um, that was the key, key thing that happened there. And I accelerated my foot with business and um, went on to open up another a few divisions within that same company, mm-hmm. whether it's wholesaling uh, pots, pants to the, to the restaurants and, uh, of that nature. And also, um, I think my brother and myself, we started uh, selling cards and international cards and in the early years of the 90s. You know, this is what I'm talking about, 90s to the mid-90s. Uh, and we also started another car audio division within the company, which uh, grew to the sixth class of the country. So you know, I did quite a lot in that, uh, in that arena with Cosmetics. And talk us um, through, you mentioned, you kind of alluded in your 30s, you know, things shifted and changed for you. Like, when would you say your life became more about active service? Wow. That's a really deep question, uh, <laughs> Kitty, and I thank you for asking it. In an honest way, um, I'm, I'm speaking very openly with yourself. I, I tend to, I think it's because I see it as my sister, so I, I, I'm sharing in a very different way, and then the audience obviously felt the same man, uh, energy as yourself. In 2006, I, I was 31 years old, if I'm correct, if I did maths correctly. Um, I, w- I was 31, and I was going to be 32, but the story happened where I was abroad and we had had a success at the time and I'd sold the business and moved some stuff over. And I think I'd eaten something that had um, given me uh, hepatitis A, which is uh, raw fish, etc. I didn't realize I'd got it, so I kind of pushed through this process on my own um, because of a determined nature and attitude at the time. And in subsequent months, this happened in January of 2006, and, um, in the February sort of time, I was abroad. March, I was abroad again. In April, I was abroad again. All on business, by the way. And around April, May sort of time, my wife uh, sort of said to me, said, maybe you should spend some time and go to sit down with, you know, take some time out and go and see the doctor because, you, you know, you're feeling, I started feeling very puffy and my joints started hurting and my, my back was in a little bit of pain. But because of once I'd got up and moved on, it wasn't really a problem. I just got up and get on with it. It, um, it kind of slowed me down a little bit in the mornings. Mm. And then, but once I got moving going, it was fine. Yeah. So she, she, she convinced me, because I didn't used to go to the doctor at the time, I hadn't been to the doctor about four years. Um, but she convinced me to go to the doctor. The doctor gave me a really, um, I think, a thorough check, but he also gave me a very simple answer. His answer was, Suki, you're stressed. Because he kind of knew my background, the business, et cetera. And I, and I kind of disagreed. To an extent, rightly or wrongly, you know. Today I sit there and say, rightly or wrongly, uh, but at the time I was absolutely adamant, you know, that that wasn't the way because such mm. arrogance was still a, a part of my my nature and moving forward. And I decided that it wasn't wasn't what's the case because stress is an outcome of and of, of of anxiety, and anxiety is when I see the future going wrong. And at the time, I, I had none of that inside me at all. I had no feelings, no no. Uh, and discomfort around anything. So things were going from strength to strength and growing um, in a rapid way, even as I am today. So the situation was that I spent a bit of time and 
to be honest with yourself, what happened is I was, I was, I was missing something. I hadn't really realized that. Well, I'll tell you about the story because I'll tell you what really happened, I think, if it's better. So mm. around March, um, sorry, around uh, May, June, July sort of time, June, my wife turned around and convinced me, let's go for a family holiday. So we went away for a two-week holiday. And this is something that I've never said in public. So if I may share, because I know there's a spiritual audience here uh, and you'll understand where I'm coming from. Um, we purchased a 14-day holiday to Florida, you know, with the family. At the time, I had three children, God's blessings. Uh, my son was only about a year and a half old, and uh, now I have four with, with, uh, with amazing blessings. And we decided that we'd go for a two-week holiday with the family. Hmm. Now, specifically, three days before I flew away, um, I got a phone call from the uh, tour guide, and he said, I, I need to refund your holiday. And this is three days before we were traveling. And I said, really? I said, so what seems to be the problem? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he turned around and said that the holiday um, isn't a 14 days, it's a 12-day holiday. And I kind of said, okay, great. So what you're going to do, you're going to replace the holiday with another holiday on the same day? He said, sorry, we can't do that. We haven't got anything ready in the time. Now I said to him, look, at the time I was running a group of companies. And I said, I kind of scheduled my time away with the children. So is there a possibility that you give me something in the same space? He said, mm. we really have nothing to give you. So this was kind of a blessing. So I then turned and I said to him, okay, I suppose you're going to be covering my hopper passes. Now, if anybody's been in Florida, that, that means covering all the, the hopper passes, which are, let you into all of the holiday environments, you know, the well. theme parks. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So ironically, I'll speed it up a little bit. We did come to an agreement and they said, okay, we'll cover your hopper passes. So if you think about it in realistic, three days before we flew, our main holiday was reduced. Yeah. 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 Time. So story short, if I can speed on, what happened is when I arrived back in the country on the on the Friday, which was, uh, I think, it was the 14th of July, uh, 2006. So when I arrived back on that Friday, I then uh, went to sleep and uh, took some time out, even when I came back. And two days later, I had the most unbelievable excruciating pain in my stomach, and it cut across my, my abdomen. And what happened is, is my liver had swollen up two and a half times the size it was supposed to have been. So massively wow. swollen and virtually down to not functioning. And my kidneys were also not too functioning at the time as well. So I went into hospital. It was rushed off. I was rushed into hospital after the doctor came out and see me. Now let's put it into context. Um, when I got into hospital, I was given approximately two hours to live. Now, this is quite a, a deep conversation for me to talk about, but around two hours to live and in that context um they told you they thought that you had two hours to live well they told my wife and i was overhearing it to be honest and it was like it i was in and out of drifting medication stuff like that so i wasn't really quite sure what was the case but i confirmed it after the wife um and they were talking to my wife and telling her that we, we don't think it's going to pull through um please be ready kind of thing you know my God. Um, yeah and i was 31 years old um, yeah, I had my own business empire I, that I still have today and have grown in a different way. Um, I'm the youngest of eight siblings. As I said, I had three children at the time, and my wife was only 29 years old as well. So, wow. Yeah, you know, um, 
it didn't occur to me at the time because I was in hospital under medications at the time. Um, but it, it fell in place afterwards. To put it into a, a bit of a more of a context, if I can. Yeah. If I had not had the universe intervene, it's just very important for me to share this and adjust my 14 days to a 12-day holiday. I think I'd be here because it became a 12-day holiday instead of 14 days. It was exactly two days on the button, on the, on the button when I went into hospital. So it's, it's quite interesting the way I see life. And this is the point where you said, Katie, everyone, when did I get an awareness of what my purpose of life was and where I was going? I was away from my group of companies for maybe a year and two months. Mm-hmm. Oh, because well, you were ill? Yes. So you were out of action for that long? I was. And it was it's a very, it's very um, easy to say now. At the time, I didn't really feel much towards it. But I believe my, my family, my brother, my, my, my sister, my wife, my parents, and more importantly, you know, my nephews and, and all that, who were running in the business. Well, mm-hmm. they, don't forget, I just left for a two-week holiday, and I, there I am. Fourteen mm-hmm. months, yeah. Yeah. So a lot, a lot happened, and a lot of things were learnt uh, during that time frame. And what I learned within myself is that there, there may be something more that I am, I'm here on this planet to do. And this is the key. And it may sound like cliche. It may seem that lots of people say this, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you. This is exactly what went through my brain. So at that time is when I went through these processes in my brain, I thought, there's got to be more. So I came back, and within 20 months, I think it was a year and a half thereabouts, so maybe 18 to 20 months, I decided that I was going to, I'd already decided I was going to leave the retail business, you know, standing in stores across all our shops, etc. but I decided that I was going to um, change and start helping other people. And that's what I did. So I had my 32nd birthday in hospital, I came back out of hospital after eight weeks. I spent a year and I was a year away from my group of companies. I went back into the companies and um, I took a decision that I was going to spend the time I wanted to spend there. And then after that, I was going to hand the business over and go home. And was it a kind of a shift in your perspective? Or what was the, so obviously you were, you nearly died. <laughs> yeah. um, what was the actual kind of, catalyst for it what was the thing that made you think or was it just a feeling that you knew you were here to do bigger things and you needed to step into it you know i think it's a combination of all of it and i think the catalyst the whole process you spot on the nail there kitty the actual catalyst itself was was the whole process yeah um and i think to be honest I'm, i don't think i've ever shared this but i'm gonna you've, you've ignited a little thought in my brain which i've, I've rented upon many a time maybe i was being sent messages through my you know, adult life, you know, little messages saying you've got to do a bit more. I always used to help people, by the way, you know, I, I have, you know, large amounts of uh, sports cards, so, you know, that sort of thing, and I'd be a bit of a collector. And what I do is I'd, anybody who wanted to borrow a car, I'd just go in the key and say, go on then, um, take the car. And that was principally it. So the kind of nature that I had was very, I suppose, caring. And I wanted people to experience what I was experiencing in life, the goodness that I had, that I'd been blessed with. So I think I had a slightly... Edge, remember I told you I'm a, have a bit of a dominant nature as well, and I and I and I probably was missing those little, um, you know, little lines that the universe is yeah, mm. little lines, the little tips, or the little connections, the little thing that was missing, and maybe I was just being a little ignorant, maybe because I was not looking for it and I didn't find it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. 
And I think it took, because I told you I had a very strong nature, I think it took something really strong to hit me with a mallet to slow me down. And this is what actually happened in my brain. I, I, didn't mi I missed all of the messages. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the messages when they were happening, you know, like sharing with my knowledge, sharing with helping people, helping them set up a company. And, you know, I even funded one of my, one of my very close friends' uh, first catwalks because he was a designer. Um, I, you know, I loved doing all this sort of stuff. Does that make sense? Helping mm. people, facilitating and being a part of their journey to exceed and, and be the best they could be. But I, it just never occurred to me that maybe I should be doing it more often. <laughs> so the question I think you aroused in my head was, was exactly that. that the, the point is that I think maybe I was just ignoring the messages. So my mm. question to anybody who's listening to this, note down the things that really make you feel good because there's a message within them. You know, sometimes you don't have to wait to the end and get completely knocked out, you know, close to death for you to realize that, that those bits are there. So in my world today, I spend a lot of my time helping. You know, I've got actually, with growth blessings, I've got thousands of, of students, paying students around the globe. And I think I've influenced a good part of 30,000 plus people now already with blessings. And uh, I help actively over 600 people and businesses gets what they want to achieve in their life. Mm. You know, I've had a beautiful journey. Um, and I think I made that decision that I had to do something more than what I was already doing mm. to achieve with others, to try and help them to get themselves further forward mm. in whichever way I had to do it. So I, you know, I've been constantly studying and, and whether it's neurosciences or anything else. So today, all of this has helped me improve my experience within business. And I suppose you could say, the expertise, even though I don't like saying expertise, I'd say maybe specialists, maybe my knowledge has been gifted to me by God. Um, and we're, you know, we're working forward and trying to help other people through my synergist methodology, which is a method that I'm writing currently, um, to try and unlock people, you know, just unlock people. And I've got three steps to it to start off with, but we'll talk about one of you already. Mm. Well, no, I just think it's absolutely fascinating. I do, you know, I've done like nearly over 50 of these interviews now, and fascinating listening to people's journeys and stories because it's all I think we are given those signs and those signals and if we don't necessarily pick them up then like you said the universe finds a way almost to redirect, <laughs> to redirect us you know and it's, you, you it does. yeah and it's fascinating you hearing you talk about your previous life because I didn't know you then and that putting, putting that Suki with the Suki I know now sounds like two different different two different completely different people yeah, I mean, we owe our friendships um, uh, to a communal friend of ours uh, and brother is uh, Ian Young, who I think mm. you've already interviewed. Um, mm. So I would never have met you, Kitty, if it wasn't for him mm. <laughs> as well. Mm. Uh, but I think our paths have crossed for the right reasons and we've all matured together. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Kitty Talks podcast is all around sharing inspirational life stories, but also helping people tune into their purpose and their passion and make a difference on the planet. Uh, what advice would you have for our listeners, you know, who are listening to this, who maybe they're not 100% clear about what it is they're here to do? What kind of steps can they take at this point in their journey? You know, we don't want them to have near-death experiences. If we no. can you know, totally help it, you know, what can they do now to kind of tune into the why they're here on the planet? Wow, what a beautiful question. It's really deep, actually. So I'm going to answer a question in a context where firstly, I'm going to put a preempt there with exactly, exactly what you just said there. You do not have to have a near-death experience to take the value and the, the, the learnings from it. Please hang out with people who um, have gone through it and, and just, just learn, 
what they've got, like we're going to share today. Um, so that's the first caveat that I want to put in place. So yes. Let us um, there are three steps that I would offer, advise individuals to do. In life, everything that we do is to do with our human communication and interaction, whether it's internal, whether it's external. So whether I'm communicating with myself, whether I'm communicating with another human being or a group of people. Now, I think the majority of us find it very easy to communicate with other people, um, but sometimes we have a problem with communicating inwards in ourselves. Mm. And I think the first step is inwards. Mm. Yeah, this is one thing. This is what that, yes, thank you. And this is what happened with that particular incident in my life. It, it pushed me and forced me inwards. It made me think inwards. It made me see what's who am I? What am I trying to do? So before you unlock yourself in any capacity, and I'm, I, I actually focus myself in spending a lot of my time unlocking. So that's one of my coin processes. I say unlock yourself first. And the key is step one to learn you. So work inwards first. So work and learn who I am. Mm. Once you get those sort of feelings of understanding who you are, you'll start deciphering between what's you, what's your passion, and what's your mission. Does that make sense? But you can't do it unless you move the magnifying glass. If you can imagine the room being all dark and you switched on a torch, and then you started shining the torch, the torch will only show you what it's, what it's shining light on. Mm. So it's like our mind. We've got to start looking inwards, and at least we can start moving the torch around, but we can find it, and we find where our feelings are. Mm. So step one is to learn yourself. Um, this is in my syndicate method as well. So step two is for you to learn other people. This means... Learn to read other people. Learn to understand other people with their method and their world, their, their model of the world. There's a gentleman called Alfred, gentleman called Alfred Korzybski, who wrote a book called Science and Sanity way back in 1933. And he states that humans themselves, for example, we, that the map is not the territory. Now, this tends to be used quite extensively within neurolinguistics and other trainings, but the work was uh, Korzybski's work. And this, the map being your brain, and the territory being the world at large mm -hmm. isn't the reality. Does that make sense? So the map itself isn't the territory. My brain, or what I see, is my version of the world, and your version is yours. Does that make sense? So mm -hmm. the next stage is to learn other people's models of the world. Yeah. So you learn to read other people, you learn to understand their model better. Um, and I use a, a, a loose variant of DISC, which is a dominant influencer stability and compliance mm -hmm. um, dominant individuals tend to be very strong-minded and, and end goal end goal um, um, driven yeah um, but they, they tend not to be very detailed individuals and they tend to be quite arrogant and self-centered to an extent um, and then you have the influencers which tend to be very much individuals who are in the, the happy-go-lucky environment but they do take action they take action very quickly actually without possibly even thinking about it sometimes amazing starters and many amazing human communicators um their one challenge could be that they, they tend not to close things or complete things very often they're again not much of a detailed person and these two entities are called extroverted energies mm. then we have an internal side of our brain which is a uh, other types of people which is the stability control the stability individuals tend to be looking for safety in things tend to look for um connection they tend to look for love in everything they do they like to care for individuals they they sincerely they sincerely look after people uh, and for them it's about ensuring that there's a, a stability in life that they don't want big visions big pictures they want to look at the now and today and who's in their world 
this particular energy tends to have the least problem with knowing themselves. Does that make sense? So they're the stability energy. And then you have a compliance world. And the compliance is people who are conscientious, more thought, conscious thinking. Computer fitness. Computer fitness, yes, right. And these individuals tend to be contemplative. They tend to have strategic strategy, logic, and structure in their mind all the time. Steps, processes. Um, so all four of those energies are absolutely perfect. None of them are wrong and none of them are the right. Uh, none of them are wrong and none of them are right. But you can adapt between all of them. So this is the methodology that I'm putting together where it's called the unlocked profile. The unlocked profile is who knows all of those four natures, knows themselves, and now can actually uh, identify their natural behavior, which is then inside. And they can also identify their adaptive behavior, which is how they are on the outside with other people, tend to be the mask environment. So the three steps I'd say is learn yourself, the inside natural side, yeah. who am I, yeah. my natural tendencies, then learn other people, and the step two is to learn other people, see how their natural tendencies are. And then step three, which is very important as well, is learn the skills to listen and adapt to that energy. That means to, to connect with them with integrity, so you're genuinely aligned with them. At least the first three steps that I would advise anybody before they start finding out what their mission is. Because once you do those three steps, you can genuinely start to unfold your own mission. Because you'll know who you are, you'll know what the people are, you'll know how you're being influenced or how you're influencing others. And then you'll know how you're being grounded. Hmm. I'm yeah, I'm just thinking about it in my own kind of context. It's very true because I think most people's purpose or why they're here is so natural to them that they may not recognize it as a skill or a gift or talent because it just comes so naturally to them. That's so, so correct. Mm. We always devalue what we are yeah. internally. And in some cases, the dominant nature, the D energy, doesn't, doesn't devalue themselves. In fact, they only they devalue everybody else's nature. For them, it's all about themselves, but you're spot on. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know and what you said as well, I think we have to be clear. So we are a vessel, and so we can't necessarily hear the signals or signs if there's too much you know going on one of the things i always say to people is is you know if you have got a really busy lifestyle then do take yourself on a holiday where you can just have a bit of time and space to be with yourself and actually hear the messages now a, a lot of the things that i'm advising individuals is there's a there's a beautiful methodology in japan and they they use they basically spend time with trees trees really woo -woo trees yeah they don't do anything to them they don't go and jog around them they don't walk around them they don't meditate they don't do anything they just there's the, a new method where it's not new actually it's thousands of years old but the weed nightingale again where they're just getting people to just spend time with trees and they have a beautiful philosophy that trees have their own spirit and literally people walk through parks with trees and they go into to um they have little pods going from cities where they're just spending time with, with nature and trees, you know, with no particular agenda, you know, no, just breathing, yeah, the chemicals that they release, the antibacterial, everything's so beautiful about the trees. They actually, it's an old understanding, and they're just coming back round, and they were just reading a, a partial white paper this morning, actually, and it was around just spending time with the trees. Well, they're very grounding, aren't they? So you, you would ground yourself if you spent a time out in nature and... Yeah. If, feet on the flat on the floor of the ground and and yes absolutely and one of the key things there is keep your feet on the flat on the floor but also the secondary is you could just lay down you could do what you want but it's about removal of technology yes. you take technology out of the sequence and then allow the trees in and then you're, you're good 
Now, this doesn't mean by no means think, and I'm not being you know, vindictive, but I'm not saying go around and hugging trees. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying just spend time in nature, just walk, you know, switch your phone off and go for a walk. Mm. And these sort of things really help you calm yourself down and start with it, what we call it starts a dialogue of internal reflection. And that's what we're trying to achieve, aren't we? Mm. So the three steps I'll just repeat them is learn yourself, which is where you get these internal reflections. Yeah. Learn others. Yeah. Learn others, learn how to do, adapt, learn how to read other people, and then and learn to respect other people's model of the world. And then finally, step three is to learn how to adapt between these two worlds. And it's as simple as that. And this is one of my missions, which I go through, and I'm, I'm kind of known as the unlocked mentor. So I tend to help people get themselves unlocked and, and let them find their own journey in life. You know, that's what life's about. And so when you help unlock people, you, you help them effectively tune into themselves and have that, that clarity within themselves to understand how they can take their lives forward. Yes, absolutely. And this is done through a, a single day. You know, it's one day of in, intensive. Don't think, don't think it's a night training. Uh, it's an intensive unlocking. And you go through the, you know, by, by lunchtime, you truly start to understand yourself. By the afternoon, you learn how to use it with other people, how to communicate with them. By the end of the day, you learn all the adaption processes and it becomes very harmonious within everything in your life, you know, whether it's business, whether you want to achieve yourself, whether you want to find out what your mission is in life, whether you want to move forward. Uh, whether you want to learn how you make good friends, even if you want to be the best relationship, you know, partner to your partner and you know, have a great relationship in life, it teaches you how to learn the other person and, and give a bit of respect to that space as well. And then, even if you go to business, have some customers, staff, uh, team, you know, instead of the old authoritarian way of running your business, um, take on the new way of inspiring your people. So it's Mm. Oh, Suki, thank you so much for coming on Kitty Talks and sharing your wisdom. Thank you very much, Kitty. And I sincerely hope that I've uh, oh, I've, I've been very open and open-hearted with, you, with your group due to your loving energy. So thank you very much. And I hope I've been helpful to somebody. If there's just one person, then it's been worthwhile for myself um, in that context. And I thank you very much. And I wish Kitty Talks a future success of unrivaled... Uh, yeah thank you and for those of you listening who want to connect with Suki we will have all his details in the show notes so you'll be able to find out more all about him his website and a bit more about his work if you want to understand a little bit more thank you for joining Kitty Talks and we will see you again next week bye bye thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.